right, y'all. Episode one, people over paper. Here we are. Mm. Episode one. I mean, I know, I know we did like a previous like little drop, but like honestly, this is like the first one we getting into. See Kelly, peace. Man, I'm here, baby, ready to go, man. How y'all doing, man? I'm doing good. How <laughs> You know? I saw hey, you man, turn it up on Instagram last night, Caleb. That was or was that Snapchat? I don't know. What you yeah, posted something. I posted something? You was oh, always wow. Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, what you got going? Man, early beautiful day in the, the sweet state of California, mm. CK's area. I miss mm. my home. What's, so what Caleb be doing? What, what y'all be like? What West Side what, baby? You know that baby? Come on, yeah, man! Okay. Wrap it up in the middle, man. <laughs> Throw that dub up, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me quit before you have me get in trouble. <laughs> I don't have somebody come chasing after me. I used to be laughing. They anytime they take a picture when we was like traveling or doing yeah. something, I throw I throw up the West Side because you know no gang sign or anything. Everybody yep. be like. These guys are posting gang signs left and right, and we're promoting that. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" We Bro, really get all alone. I kind of went through the same thing whenever I like scored a touchdown, and like you know me, Omega Sci-Fi. Hold on, yeah. Hold on, wait. But you got caught in 4K, the OSU game, flipping the bird, somebody. So we don't, we ain't forget that you got caught, hey. buddy. Tensions were high. <laughs> that was well worth it though let me tell you let me hold on let me tell you about that right you know jt for all our listeners jt is me and caleb well i guess technically pat too team he's chaplain. our chap he's our yeah. team chaplain and yeah. he he got on me about retweeting that for like almost a month and i just couldn't let it go like i'm just like jt like this is one like i'm sticking with like my personality is on camera mm. i was caught up in the heat of the moment but i have no regrets Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I'm still a Christian if I flip somebody off. I promise. Yeah. No, like, for real though. I don't get on to you when you've said like one or two curse words to your kids. Like, you yeah. know, I'm just going. Oh, wow. we're, we're not going to talk smack on JT. We love him. JT's the best, man. He be. JT is the best. Every time you see him, he going to get you a let's go. Man. man. Pat, you said this. this, this cloudy out there or you said it's raining yeah so in the winter winter time we get a little bit more rain than usual so got a little bit of rain overnight ground and whatnot is wet outside but it's raining today oh that's it that's that's the snow i mean they got snow (laughs) in the mountains but like it ain't gonna snow like you know how oklahoma (laughs) you get that one week of snow yeah, yeah shit, we're not getting sunshine. That. We get rain. Week. We get a couple weeks. Yeah, boy. When Bro. I was in Cali, we were in a drought for four years all throughout high school. Oh man, drought. Really? I mean, like it rained, but it wasn't enough. Well, like, bro, like your your situation is different though. Fresno is like literally in between like two. It's like in a valley, isn't it? It is in a valley. Yeah, it's it's like two and a half hours from San Francisco. It's like four hours from LA, three and a half from LA. So it's like yeah. right in the middle. So then the worst part about Fresno is that all the people be smoking on top of the valley in San Francisco and L.A., all that bad air comes down into Fresno. Everybody in Fresno has asthma. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. It's nasty over there. Boy, you wake up. 
in a tough spot, bro. You got Death Valley on one side, and then you got the Pacific Ocean on the other. Then you got murderers left and right in Fresno. But I ain't gonna lie. Good part about Fresno is two and a half hours to the beach, an hour and a half to the mountains. So like, you want to go to a snow day or you want to go to the ocean? Like, you get to choose in the same day. And if you start at one, you can make it to the other one in about three and a half hours. So. Well, bro, it sounds like you're not going back anytime soon. Like, honestly, honestly, real talk, I thought you were going to move back to Cali. And then now you have a house in Oklahoma. Yeah, Let, let's talk about that. Let's actually, let's talk about that. Because, like, I know a lot of our viewers, especially, like, our initial viewers are going to be OU fans. You know, I see Pat's wearing a, a Stanford shirt, but we're not going to hold that against them. <laughs> but, um, bro, you have a whole house and Family. a kid now. Mm. Yeah, well, shoot. This last year's been a whirlwind, real quick. I guess yeah. football, get hurt, finish the season out. And then I go home after the bowl game, and I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I at least got to go home and pack my stuff up like everybody's got to do. And yeah. go home being Oklahoma at that point. And then. Last year's been crazy. Went yeah, I had I a tryout with ESPN uh, in January at the national championship game. Did real really well there. My buddy Kendall Milton plays for Georgia running back. Got me a ticket, hooked me up. Flew back with Roy Williams because he was getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. So just a coincidence that he had to be there. I I had a one of my best friends from high school. He lived in Indianapolis. So, yeah, I got to just stay with him. Just a bunch of like God winks left and right where I'm like, OK, he's just lining this up for me. So then get a free ride back to OU because I'm not playing anymore. So I can accept a little private jet flight from Roy Williams right. now. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so jump on that. Um, go go and uh, talk to BV, announce him as head coach, too. And then he offers Which me a I job. Thought you did amazing, by the way. No, thank you. On behalf of the players, yeah, we got your back. We didn't have their, his back enough this year, in my opinion. We ain't talking about football, though. Then, uh, mm-hmm. then, <laughs> then, I mean, Larson and I, we decided to start dating. Larson is uh, Larson King. She she got her own salon, so we opened that up. Um, so that's been kind of hectic. We're going down to IKEA, finish doing that, and yeah. And, Finish uh, getting that set up. Uh, bought a house. Moved in October. Uh, she, Larson also has a four-year-old, Suede. And uh, Suede yeah. looks just like me, though. So, like, if you're going to be a stepdad at any point in time, I recommend getting the kid that looks like you. Because. <laughs> Bro, well, yeah, that is true. He's just, like, a lighter version. Like, you yeah. can actually claim him as yours. Right. He's got curly hair. We have the same nose for whatever reason. Like, that makes no sense to me. Why yeah. do we have the same nose? But I'm not mad at it because that's my dog for real. No, like, I, that's my honestly, dog. bro, I think y'all are cute together. Like, when <laughs> we went and got lunch that one time and uh, you had Sway with you and we, we went walking around dicks, I, like, low-key felt like an uncle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tell him. Oh, I can tell him. He's like, I'm like, that's Uncle Zach. That's Uncle Jerry. That's Uncle. Like, I'll just be like, all the homies. Like, I'm just like, he's got so many uncles. He doesn't know what to do with it. Like, yeah, just, he's trying to keep but, count. Man, he's awesome. He started calling me dad recently, too. So that's been a big, like, emotional kind of shock, but in a good yeah. way. 
And so that's that's huge. But taking him to school, picking him up from school, he played T-ball last year. So yeah. been busy. I, I mean, bro, I admire seeing all that because it kind of gives me a glimpse into adulthood, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because when I was playing, th- this is this is when I knew that things were like our lives completely changed, bro. I asked you earlier this year. I was like, yo, you want to go out? I think it was like Sunset or something. A bar in downtown OKC. And uh, Pat, this is what this is what his response was. He was like, I can't, bro. Swade's got a softball game. And I was <laughs> like, are you what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, I had never been hit with something like that. I, I had to like self-reflect. I'm like, damn. Like, I mean, Whoa, man, like this, this dude's priorities are... It's not even now. about you. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's not even about you anymore. You become a fiance, a future husband, a dad. Everybody matters more than you. I'll be honest. That's something yeah. that we need to get into later where you think about it. Men are constantly trying to just prove their worth over and over again for their family. And that's kind of the biggest takeaway I found this year. One, you have to be honest with yourself. Everybody matters more than you. Like Larson has a problem going on. It needs to matter more than what my problems are. Like Swade's got a problem going on. Like I got to drop everything. He's four. He doesn't know no better. And you got to make sure he's good. And so that's been the biggest difference in this first year of adulthood. I mean, the bills are a lot heftier, <laughs> but, but caring about your family and providing for your family. Yeah, you gotta make sure that food is on the table every day. You gotta make sure oh, those lights yeah. are on every day. The house is paid for. It's just an expectation and a reality that I'm a man and I gotta take care of them. Because if Larson doesn't want to work eventually, because I know, you know, you might have a little some some. Pat's got a, got a, got a lady that he's been with for a long time. At some point, they don't want to work. Like our goal as a man is to be like, baby, don't work. Just yeah. Take care of the kids. Have fun if you want. And yeah. you got to prepare for that and work your way towards that. But that expectation, it's a hefty thing to carry. You got to give it to God a lot. I think that's a cool thing to see. And one of the reasons, you know, we started this podcast is because, you know, a lot of times the fans, they see us in the midst of football, right? Like our former fans and just everyone who's been an advocate for the three of us, especially you know, they see us in the in the height of the moments. You know, you look at oh, Travis okay. Kelsey and, and his brother. The Kel- you know, they got their own podcast now and, you know, they're they're killing it. And that's the main thing, you know, but rarely do old players, former players, current players, recruits, do they get to see this side of it? Yeah. Now there's uh not she's your fiance, you know, yeah. you, you got a stepkid. You know, you're honestly, bro, like you're like the focal point of the future of people over paper because Pat's still in college. You know, I'm figuring I'm like in the in the middle of like the transition, like these past few months have been different for me. Like I'm still learning, you know, but I think that's so cool. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but I don't text you as much anymore. I'm like, this dude's busy. Like, I know, like, I'm not even going <laughs> Like he he going like I'm gonna see him when I see him type of deal. Like I could be in Norman, and you know every time you know we used to always be together for class and stuff. And now always. I'm like, 
Yeah. Which I hate, like, by the way, because I mean, I don't hate, but because yeah. anytime y'all come around, I'm like, I need to drop everything. But I'm like, I definitely can't drop everything for y'all. Like, y'all better, yeah. nah, <laughs> y'all better pull I, up on that, me. That's what I'm learning, bro. Like the real, like the real going to stick around. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. No matter what, because I don't know about you, Pat, but especially being gone, but like people come, people go, but the real ones, they kind of stay around. Um, right. What's I your experience? Yeah. Being gone, like in Stanford, who kept hitting you up? Like who kept, you don't got to say any names, but like who kept on checking on you? Facts. And I think, like like you said, the the real ones always prevail. But I think all of us understand, though, because we all so ambitious. All of us are lofty with our goals, explicit with it. We talk about it. So all of us understand, you know, it's love between us. We all brothers. Everybody's just focused right now. Yeah. 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 I think part of being a good friend, though, is like not only being conscious of your goals, but being able to put yourself in the shoes of other people, you know, and to our viewers, maybe that's like, yeah, Jay Hall, like we've been taught that as kids, but like, honestly, as an athlete, I'm having to reteach myself people skills, bro. As, as one that was former anyways, especially at this level, you know, for so long, it was all about us. And granted, I think we're great people. You know, I think that, We've done a lot with what we've been able to accomplish, at least as of recently. And I know that there's a many people, and especially our peers, that even look up to us. But still, even for me, and I'm sure y'all can relate to this, like it's no longer about just like the NFL or mm. like, for example, for me, right? Like now I'm even more locked in with what my family's going on because now I feel like the captain of my family. You know, I went from being the captain of football, which was my given responsibility to now, Caleb, I know you can relate to this more. Mm. Your adopted responsibility now as you get older becomes your family even more because those are, that's the real that we were just talking about. Those are the ones that have always been around and will always be around. Yeah, You know, so I'm having to re restructure my priorities in terms of Family, money, freedom, freedom, money, family, and just the overall person that I want to be, you know? Yeah, definitely. Right. And I think that with the the past of football being a big part of our raising in an environment that everywhere else but football isn't healthy in the way yeah. that they talk to us coaches the way that uh, we yeah. we do anything they want at a snap of a finger the way that we're in a culture of a lot of uh, uh, not really authority but arrogance in the fact that we are football players that we are we're we're stuff like we can do whatever we want we can say whatever we want we're, we're the best football players and that culture really gives you this false perception that you can actually do whatever you want to anybody in any kind of way in relationally speaking. And in real life, you can't do those things, especially in a relationship where you're with a woman and a woman is way more 
emotional than a man, like genetically, like in every sense. And they didn't grow up in a football locker room. They didn't grow up the same way. They don't face adversity the same way. They don't do anything the same way. And then you've got a four-year-old where it's not even – like he has no idea what is right or wrong. He has a a clean slate in learning about how to deal with things, learning about how to go through life. So you don't want to take that negative that you – have learned and give them like a false expectation that everybody's going to be like dad. Like everybody's going to be like mom because everybody's going to be different. Everybody grew up different and our lives and the way that we grow up, man, it's, it's kind of scary when you get into that real world and you are living with a girl and she's like, why do you think that's okay? And you're like, why is that not okay? (laughs) So many conversations and you're like, man, Football did so much for me, but football also did a lot to me. It's, it can Bro, be scary. It, it kind of, I think it, I, I don't want to say it messed us up psychologically, but one thing I'm learning, the biggest difference between a man and a boy, especially a, a young man, or let's just say there's a boy like coming out of high school, there's a young man in college, and then there's another transition outside of that. I think the biggest thing is is listening. Because we take in so much, right? As athletes, like our schedule is given to us, right? We're told where to be, what to do. We're told, we're even told our expectations, you know, we're, we're told how to get there, work hard, put in extra time, right? We have, we literally have the answers. Caleb, there's no playbook to being a dad. Like you can't just Google that. Especially when you grow up without a dad, like, What am I doing <laughs> every day? Oh, really? like I don't even have a dad. Like, <laughs> it's like it's not a big brother role. And yeah. it's funny because one time Swade was like, you're my best friend. I said, yeah, you're like my brother. Or no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me say it right. He said, dad. I said, what? You're like my brother. I said, no, I'm like your dad. <laughs> he said, oh. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> But it's well, kind of like that thing, where you, you be around players, other teammates and things, and you're like like you big brother them or your siblings, you big brother them, and you kind of emulate what you think uh, your father would say or your mother would say. And then all of a sudden you have your own kid and you're like, shoot, like I'm in charge of you, but I'm sorry, buddy, if I mess up, like I ain't going to be perfect. I ain't never seen this. Like, <laughs> I'm just sorry. And Larson, but he doesn't know that team. though. He, yeah, he doesn't know that. Like he doesn't right. know any better. Right. Scary. It's funny that you said that. I mean, I'm gonna say that it's funny. It's not funny at all. Matter <laughs> of fact, it's terrible. But the fact that you said you're trying to be a dad when you didn't even have a dad is like it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah, it's super real, and it's part of life that I mean, so many young black men go through, but a lot, pretty much. And now in today's age, it doesn't matter what race you are. A lot of times parents are separated a lot and divorce rates are so high. It's it's scary for anybody like for me personally. I mean, I had a stepdad. It wasn't the best example either. And so a lot of times I don't even mention him and he did a lot of good things, too. But just the overall, the grand scheme of his negative was so big that. It really has traumatized me, and I know it has because of therapy and all different things. That's one part that I left out of my story from this year that I joined. I, I've been going to a therapist with Larson, 
what you got to do. Couples therapy, by the way, highly recommend anybody listening. And then by myself, because I'm like, all right, I'm not a football player. I know it's going to hit me. So I got to go ahead and get ahead of this thing. Man, I'm super traumatized, though, especially by my stepdad, even by my mom in a lot of ways. And everybody knows how close me and my mom are. But a lot of ways I'm super traumatized by the things she's done as well, because we're all human and because like how I'm sitting here now. Oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to make sure I love you more than I discipline you, <laughs> because that's the one thing I didn't get was more love than discipline from my stepdad or from not having a dad. And yeah. I'm just trying to make sure that everything I say is what I truly believe. And then parents, they, they're, they're trying to do the same thing. They're not inherently trying to hurt you, but they do a lot of times and you got to address those things. And then all of a sudden now I'm 24 and I'm trying to address something that happened to me when I'm nine or address something that yeah. happened to me when I'm 13. And I was sitting yeah. there crying because I didn't have a dad. And why didn't I have a dad? And just the response that my mom or my grandma gave me and that was it good enough or not. I mean, that's so long ago. It's, it's hard to bring that up and be like, Hey, this is what I wish you would have done. But you got to express those things still. And it's it's super hard, man. It's so much that it's such a, a prime time in their life when they're four or five, all that, because like I said, they are actually innocent. Like we're not innocent. We've done wrong. We've done so yeah. many things. But and at our parents at that point, they've done so many things. And you just want to do the best you can. It's It's crazy to hear you talk about this topic, you know, in terms of the therapy and reflecting on your life as a child, because I've literally been doing the exact same thing, but I've kind of had trouble explaining it, you know, and I think the best way that I can say is that our entire lives, we've kind of been like in this bubble, right? Especially as of recent, right? High school and in college. And then when you exit the football bubble specifically, you resort back to who you were beforehand. Mm -hmm. If there ever was a beforehand, right? Now, mm -hmm. the beforehand is, for me at least, the my parents being divorced, right? And the trauma that like I went through with that, my sister did, and yeah. just my childhood, right? And now you start, or at least I have started back reflecting on what all I've gone through and in my head, I'm like older now, so I can understand a little bit more. Like, so I start questioning, like, why did this happen, or why did my mom do that, or, or like, as of recently, I, I have started asking my mom a little bit more about like her decision making that led us to like where I am now. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that one, like, you just gotta forgive your parents for what they didn't and did not do, and yeah. try and learn from that the best you can. Yeah. You know, it's like for me, right? Like we're we're business, we're we're business majors, right? Like for our masters and stuff. And some of the stuff that we've learned in school or at least school has led us to learn is financial literacy, right? Yeah. And so oftentimes I try and bring that up to like my parents and stuff and sometimes they understand and sometimes they don't. And at first when I first started learning about let's just say like an IRA, you know, mm. I was like how come we've never had this conversation, you know? And I was kind of upset for a while, but then it's like, they didn't know. Right. You know, like they didn't have that knowledge. They didn't have the, their opportunities were different. 
you know, and it kind of it just resorts back to the forgiving aspect and realizing that they did their best. You know, they weren't perfect, much like what I hear about for what I hear from you when you're talking about suede, you know, you're just figuring it out as the punches get thrown. But now you have a little bit more more backbone, more access to information like you can just up and call Roy Williams, you know, right. <laughs> like, right. up and call whoever. Right. And it's it's weird, but really it's all fitting because goes back to the title of the podcast, people over paper. You know, the yeah. people in our lives are literally changing our lives, you know, and it's just cool to see it come full circle, bro. Like it's I, I want Sooner Nation to see us make that full circle. Like I want people over paper to be around like five eight years from now you know granted we ain't got to record every single week you know it's it's i know i got the podcast on the prairie that can be stressful (laughs) let me tell you that (laughs) but um bro it's just it's crazy hearing your perspective because like granted this is a podcast but i don't get to talk to you that often so hearing you talk about suede and hearing you speak with enthusiasm on the real i think you said so much good stuff there especially like as we become more educated we almost kind of look back at our parents and our family and we we look at them with this why didn't you do this for me and we kind of because i think as we become more educated sometimes we get a little bit more detached from where we once stood and we and we forget the stuff that very much affected our life, the environments we were in, the accessibility to information and education, and that detachment can can lead to us being, I guess, maybe villainous in a way that that we yeah. try to convict our parents and our family. Because you know, I'll, I'll be you know talking to my mom or my grandparents about particular things, and it's the exact same thing you said, Jay Hall. It's like you know you're learning about getting your investment portfolio started and mm-hmm. and. And, you know, we say now with our current information how simple it is, but it really isn't that simple considering the the percentage of people who, who just don't know. And I think that's been a big thing that I've had to recognize in my life. And then, you know, with my girlfriend being a psychology major and pursuing a, a, a Ph.D. in clinical psychology, mm-hmm. I've become a lot more aware of just myself and the impact that that my words have on people, why I think the way I think how I can communicate better, how socially and emotionally I can be more aware and intelligent of those particular things. And then I think it always goes back to, you know, cause I, I love, I love like both of y'all to death and especially CK. Cause I feel like he's helped me in my development as a man, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and, and he's always, you know, pushed me. I don't think he's realized, but he's always pushed me to be like, a better boyfriend or, or trying to be like more aware of how I communicate. Or, or, so I think a, a lot of this stuff is just dope for us to, to be at the round table talking about. Cause like the whole mental health thing is like not even talked about like that in our community. Right. And sometimes even just saying mental health, you like, dang, my turn like soft now. But I think that mentality has been embedded in us so <laughs> much that we, we were programmed to think like that. So I think it's dope that we finally taking those steps in the right direction to to be more aware, be more intelligent and, you know, be better for our, our families, our communities, our friends and, you know, everybody included. 
Man, you know, that was powerful. That's powerful right there, though. I just, one thing, one thing I have, I keep a, I try and keep a daily journal, right? Mm-hmm. And what I wrote down, I've gone, I'm like on my third one now. And um, I wish I got to show you guys the notes that I have written down just from life and stuff like that. But going back to what you said about the way you look at your family members because of the information you have now, right? I, I get that same feeling and that same sense of frustration, but I had to, one, go back to the forgiving thing and two, not be selfish, right? right. Not think about just my perspective. And this kind of goes back to the beginning when I said listening is the difference between a young man and a man. But going back to the, the journal thing, I wrote in the front of my cover, feel my cup so I can pour into others. Mm. Mm-hmm. Fill my cup so that I can pour into others because we can speak to our parents, our family members, recruits, whoever, until we're blue in the face, right? But there are just some things that people won't understand until they're faced with that specific situation. Like yeah. we were told our entire lives you got to have a plan B, um, you know, make sure you get your degree, uh, make sure you do this, make sure you do that for like this specific moment, you know, Pat, who knows what you have next, but me and Caleb, like, you know, I probably, my football career is probably over, bro. Like I haven't received a call or anything. And, um, I'm about two conversations away from calling in a day, but probably, my point is too. you can be prepared for the exit all you want. But you you won't the information won't matter to you until you're in a position to accept it. And that's, super that's scary. How I, yeah, super scary, and you're, and you're uh, floating. It feels like like you're mm-hmm. you're in the air at that moment, and you're like, even though you have everything lined up, all that Plan B, you're still like, do I walk away? <laughs> do I? Right. I don't have to. I just. I think it's better for me. I feel it in my gut. It's better for me. I feel as if God is telling me this and I got to just go with my gut. One thing Pat yeah. said that I love is the the psychology portion about Kirsten. Right. And uh, <laughs> I can tell she's gaming you up on the, on the side right. on how you need to be talking and how you need to. But that mental health, man. You you hear it and you hear it in as a football player, speakers come in, you need to get your mental health right. And I remember back in the day, I think it might have been with Viney Pat when we were doing a real study. Did you ever get to do those where we sat yeah, there? Yeah. We were doing a real study. I so for for Jay Hall, what a real study is, and he only picked defensive guys just because Chip Viney. Okay. He was a defensive guy, so don't feel left out. Yeah. <laughs> but what it was is right, I didn't know what you were talking about. At first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, you come in and you are sitting there with a couple guys and you tell your story really quick, as fast as you can, probably like five minutes. Some guys, me, probably went about 30 because, you know, I talk too much. And um, you get your real st- your story out there to your guys and then you rank your priorities, which is what Jay Hall was talking about in life. You rank your priorities and then 
you just talk about it. Basically, you get that those group of guys, all of a sudden they're just instantly closer. And he wouldn't do it with the whole team, but how do you get 120 dudes to tell their story and go through all that? So didn't have enough time. But in those studies, it got so real. And you would talk about mental health. And I remember Pat saying, I get told these things to do. And it might have been Jay Hall, too, in a, in a different situation where it was like Roy Williams was coming and he was like, you just got to call me and ask questions and I'll give you the answers. And we talked about yeah. it. I think all, it might have been all three of us talking about it. It was like, yeah. I don't yeah, have yeah, the questions to yeah. ask. Like, I don't know. That was what, a graduation. Yeah. I don't know what to ask. Facts. I'm sitting here. I'm not educated. I haven't gone through anything. And you, you're telling me to ask questions. It, you need to teach me the questions to ask. Nobody's done that. And our parents, yeah, right. that's their job or that's our coach's job, our teachers. But you, there's a point in life where you got to go through some things to be like, oh, OK, hindsight. Now I need to go ask somebody. I'm, I lost a little bit. And so now let me swallow my pride. Let me pick up pieces and now let me go ask. And it's hilarious how there's this expectation that now, as you guys are talking about it, we do it to our parents. Like, why didn't you tell me this? Or why didn't? And they're like, yeah, I didn't know I was supposed to tell you that. Like, yeah. nobody ever told right. me that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny. It's, and I think well, sometimes like what what may scare us, though, is the feeling of being wrong. And because it's like in the classroom, like a lot of people are, are tend to be more scared to raise their hand and ask the question because of how it, how others will look at them. Yeah. And I think for us, it, the same thing exists, whether it's financial literacy, mental health, whatever the case is, a big part of that is just having like the courage, like really put my, my ego, my pride and all that aside and ask the question. And I think sometimes as well, we, we, we got to look at it from the standpoint of, for, for things in life, there isn't necessarily always a right answer or a direct path. So we just kind of got to get ourselves started on that path. Because like if I were to you know sit here and tell somebody best mental health practices, it'd be the same thing that already everybody already knows in the back of their head. But I think the thing is, is just beginning to look into that stuff and yeah. taking a step. You know what I mean? And I think it's the same yeah. thing all of us face in our, in our relationship with God. The first thing is actually opening up that Bible and just mm. starting somewhere. It doesn't matter where. You don't got to you don't have to know initially, you know, obviously we strive to get to the point to know Genesis to Revelation. But initially you ain't going to know that. Mm-hmm. And it's just opening it up and, and, and praying, hey, God, open my eyes, take off the spiritual blinders and allow me to receive your word. And I think mm-hmm. for a lot of us, we just got to take that step. Yeah. And then as we all know, in football it's about consistency and, and making stuff routine behavior and we just got to consistently do that, consistently take one step after the next, after the next. And, I, and you know, eventually after we pick our head up, you know, we're going to be in a position or closer to the position that we want to be in. So yeah. I, we got to save Genesis to Revelations for another episode because I, I can <laughs> I, I, I can speak on that. I've been on a journey in terms of the Bible, boy, but. <laughs> In terms of taking that first step, though, like, hold on, let me let me tell you that. Let me let me tell you that, bro. Like, when I got to the Giants, this is something that I haven't even talked about on the podcast and very, but by the time this airs, like, I'm going to be cool with it. So <laughs> I remember, bro, I remember after the first preseason game, we beat the Patriots. At the end of the game, I had like six snaps, seven snaps, bro. 
And I was glad I won or I was glad we won. Mm-hmm. Um, I was glad I got to put on the NFL uniform. But, bro, I literally got back to the hotel later on that night. I don't know. It was like 4 a.m., 3 a.m. And I like cried because mm. I was like, I want this is something I wanted my entire life. And now that I'm here and I feel so empty. Mm. Like, mm. It, it, it hurt so much to the point where now this this was on a Sunday. I think it was on a Sunday night or something like or Friday night. I can't remember. But it hurt so much, bro. I pray I got on my knees and I prayed. I said, God, I don't know what you got in store for me, but I just want to be happy. Three days later, I was cut. Hey, don't ask if you don't want that real. <laughs> if you don't want it to, to receive that joy, it's going to be, man. And since we diving into the word, I think I think as believers, um, you know, whenever we hear Philippines 4.13 and we look at the context Paul was writing in, you know, he was thrown in prison multiple times. He was beat, cursed at, ridiculed, everything for for him, you know, standing and proclaiming the word, the the word of God and the gospel. And him in Philippines 4.13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he's talking about he's content in being where he's at. Because obviously Paul wrote multiple books in the New Testament, one of the most profound writers. Yeah. He's seen the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. You know, some of the some of the uh the books he's even writing from prison. And whenever he's talking about in Philippines 14, 413 is I'm content wherever God places me. And I think as we and that's a hard thing for us to get to because a lot of stuff our whole entire life has been about me, 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 me. I got to be the best player. I got to be the All-American. I got to have the trophy, the this, the that. And then whenever we finally come to that moment in life that it's like, dang, God, it's, it really isn't about me. And I think we see that different ways. Like Caleb now, it really isn't about me. It's about my family. It's about my yeah. son. It's about my my fiance, future my wife. Yeah. yeah and, and it's like, and then God can really work through you and God can be effective and he can use you for the gospel and use you to make an impact on the world because you've finally been able to to get over your own self, your own will, your own desires and realize, nah, this is God's plan. And God's plan, you know, sometimes that may be the things that I wanted like ball and other times it, it's these other things. But after, you know, a couple of years or months into it, you realize how much you appreciate it. Because like for CK, I know for you, it's like the first time being a dad. It's like, dang, do I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know the right <laughs> if this is the right way. And you didn't you didn't necessarily anticipate God. I'm putting you in that position. But whenever you submit to his will, now we hear you talking and you're talking about your growth, your maturity, yeah. how far you coming as a man. And, you know, you putting us on game. So not yeah. only are you impacting your son's life, but you're impacting Jay Hall, you're impacting me, everybody through this podcast. Because, I mean, you've given us free game on how to be a great father and, and information we ain't have. So I think that's just powerful about, you know, God's word and and, and how life-changing it is because, man, it, it it truly does, you know, change our lives. So. It does. I think it's uh, – I heard Coach Venable say this a couple of weeks ago, success – doesn't come to those that look for it. It comes to those that are too busy to look for it because those who are constantly serving, those who are constantly grinding, trying to get better, trying to grow, searching in the word, being filled up with the Holy Spirit, filled up in life with love and just loving people. That's when success comes. You look back 
and say, dang, I'm successful. You don't look forward and say, there's the success because God's going to change your definition of success so many times. I used to, I used to want to go to the league so bad. Y'all know I came back after all those ACLs. Like I'm so close. Like just let me, let me get a preseason game. Like let me just get there. I just want to do a dang practice with a different helmet than the OU on it. Like it's been six years. Let me get one. And now success is waking up because I don't even deserve that. That's the success. I woke up. So now let me go love on my my fiance right next to me. Let me go love on my son down the hall. Let me go pour into somebody at work. Let me come back home and play after a long day of work and getting a workout in and all that. Let me play with Suede. Let me help Larson cook dinner. Let me tell her how much I appreciate her. Let me look at their eyes and see a gleam of light. My success isn't chasing money anymore. And I'm only 24. And believe me, I'm fighting it every single day. Oh, I just want to go chase money. Like, oh, I just want to go. But my people, my people are so important that that's where my success lies. If they had a good day, if they're happy, if they feel protected, if they feel safe in this house that I built, if they feel the love for me. And man, it's powerful when you guys talk because it it shows me that I wasn't even looking for the success. I was just trying to find that happiness and God mm-hmm. was giving me success because yep. that happiness is the success more than any well, paper or any, any money. I've learned that when you prioritize your relationship with Christ and seek happiness, then what he does is he doesn't give you more happiness. Your perspective yeah. on happiness changes. When you can bring your level of what makes you happy down to the bare minimum, like what you just said, like I woke up this morning, like just man, like what? Thank like, you. <laughs> and you literally, you've you had that same, you've waken up for the past 24, 25 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Just getting the opportunity to put on a different helmet, you know, just seeing Suede smile, you know, you've seen Suede smile before you've put on a helmet before. But when you can change your perception and your day to day outlook on life and just bring all that down, all the the money, the the I don't know, whatever other external material or stature you're looking for in your life, when you can clear all that like that's what i haven't even made an instagram post in what half a year now six months mm-hmm. or something like that it's it's not that i can't like i got the tool i, I got the pics you know what i'm saying but yeah. like i just i don't care <laughs> like, yeah. and really the only reason you really see me on instagram now is because like the podcast on the prairie and OU football but outside of that bro like i'm just focused on being happy through my own journey and I'll get into more of the day to day and what I'm actually doing, maybe on a different episode. But, bro, it's so, I guess, comforting to hear you speak. Well, really, both of you, because I haven't been able to have these conversations with you guys as much. But we're really like growing up before each other's eyes. 
Fact, you know what I'm man. man, I remember when y'all came in on some man. recruiting visits. Jerry had a full head of hair. Pat man. had short hair. Now he's got dreads and Jerry's bald. I have the same <laughs> thing going on. I Anakin. just want to stay at, you know, consistency here. But, man, just the growth in y'all. And, I mean, that's at the beginning of our careers. So we don't we don't all exactly know what Pat's doing. I hope Pat doesn't even know what he's doing yet. I hope he hasn't made that oh, decision. I, 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 I mean, shucks, I guess probably by the time this drop, I'll probably it'll probably already be out there. But I mean, I'm thinking in private equity. Yeah. Most likely, man. Hang up the cleats. And big thought process behind that is I was kind of just looking at when I was a kid. What was ball? What what purpose did ball serve in my life and in my dreams? Yeah, in the sense of like, why was my aspiration of playing ball like? What were the things I was one that to I was one to achieve through doing that? And I think it's like the education, obviously, like being able to say I went to college. Yeah, um, the generational wealth, and I think the big one was the generational wealth, and and it's like this is the only. Thing from my perspective and in my environment that I know will lead to the money that I see people making that that you know puts them in the private schools, whatever the yeah. case is. And being here at Stanford, man, and then becoming a lot more educated on the impacts that you know football has on your brain, your body, um, and then just with the resources I have. Um, shucks, I'm, I'm, well, I'm congratulations, up, brother. <laughs> congratulations the official <laughs> announcement the official yeah. oh, so now the people over paper exclusive baby Patrick Fields private hey. equity here we go <laughs> man now the goal is to uh, I'm trying to go on one man go yeah. on the team bro. Yeah. That, that's what I'm working towards that's man. so cool bro we gotta we, we gonna talk about this some more on future episodes y'all Patrick in private equity I'm about to start up my own fund by the end of next year. Yes, sir. Um, acquiring, acquiring the moolah left and right. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm about to be the money man. You know, I ain't gonna speak too much on it, but uh, might as well just call me, call me a bank. <laughs> so Jay Hall, you know the crazy thing is though. Obviously, you know CK as well, but the perspective that we had our entire life on the money that we thought football can make for us now like looking at my career in private yeah. equity the people at my firm that are most senior and what they've been able to accomplish from a financial standpoint and that's still with giving back donating yeah. millions millions of dollars um and and even you know at the at the end of their career saying nah my family is more important so yeah. not shooting for that 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 next dollar but seeing how much money they make it's like I mean the 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 bunny and ball is chump change. Yeah, respectfully, bro. bro I, I'm but, I'm gonna say this because I don't I don't like to talk about this very much. But my contract for what being a free agent was gonna be no more than three years, four million, if that, maybe less. Right. right? The numbers that I'm looking at now, I don't honestly, bro. I don't even know why I would go back to football because I played right. football because it brought me happiness. And while I was with the Giants. I wasn't the happiest I know I could be. Yeah. So if the happiness isn't there and I know I can make more money somewhere else, I'm happy doing something else. It's like, yeah, why would I go back? You know, but at the same time, I also like 
want to exhaust the opportunity because I hear you, Caleb, and you say, I just want to have the opportunity to go put on a different helmet. And I'm like, dang, like God blessed me with this gift. So let me at least exhaust it. Yeah. To yeah. the point. But um, I feel you, Pat. Somebody told me to that point, though, Jayhaw, like you and maybe if you want to real quick, like really educate people, though, because you, you see that contract three years. 4.1 or whatever the case it is but like tell people the way it's structured is for you to never even see the money to begin with because of course whenever you're younger your salary is the lowest but the life expectancy is like 2.7 years or whatever so if you're if your contract is loaded on the back end you're never going to get to the bigger portion of your salary you always going to because they anticipate you getting cut by then yeah so really Yeah, but I, I was just going to say, I mean, like, whenever down. you evaluate it from a business standpoint and what it and what it's designed to do in terms of keeping the margins, the profitability, and also how we're using expendable resources, given the never-ending pool of talent, whatever the case is, you know, it, it, it's interesting. And I think it's dope that we have the perspective to now look at it as businessmen and understand, like, this is this is how we're, this is how we're, we fit into the whole pie of the business of the NFL. And a lot yeah. of times they don't, they don't sell it as a business. They sell it as a dream. Yeah. Um, and not, not that there's anything wrong with playing ball or, you know, it's just, you know, the, it's providing a different perspective on how to look at it. Yeah. No, the NFL truly is a business. Like it, we look at it from a player's perspective, but you don't understand how much of a business it is until you get there. Right. You know, we look at, the the coaches and think that they make the decisions what they which they do in college but in reality you know it's really the gm it's really the owners it's the higher ups so if they want something done the coaches got to do it you know you're literally a piece of the puzzle and if you're not getting paid you're not really getting respected and so my point of view is well if i'm not getting paid and i'm not getting respected why not put myself in a position somewhere else where i'm valued to go get paid and i still have my self worth you know, to talk more about what Pat just brought up for for y'all that don't know the way a contract is written in the NFL. When he says front loaded versus back loaded, you know, let's just say you see three years, four point one. Right. Well, in that first year, it's possible that you only make seven fifty. And then that second year, you might make one point three. And then in that third year, then you you make the, the, the other two mil or however much is left over from the subtracted total. And what Pat was saying is they're expecting you to get hurt. They're they're expecting you to not be able to make it to the end. You know, a lot of people also, Patrick, what y'all don't know is once, especially when you're a free agent, let's just say you don't make the team and you get put on practice squad or whatever else, that restruct that initial contract is completely out the window and they restructure that new contract to their terms. And there's so many more clauses in the fine print that mm-hmm. honestly y'all don't even know about that I didn't even know about till I got there until somebody had to tell me and then like they can reserve your rights like not give you another contract for like another two years you can't leave like it's so much more behind ball and I see why people get so burnt out it's because the political side of it is is devastating and that mm-hmm. can really kill kill your love for the game you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why I look at it more so of a time factor yeah. because, you know, Caleb, Pat, like our, our family, they hear 
three years, 4.1. And I, it, it makes me smile when people like say, Oh, you'll never make this amount of money this fast. Da, 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 da. I'm yeah. like, boy, if you only knew, like, that's yeah. nothing. That's chump change. Like Pat's over there smiling. Cause he knows like these people in PE yeah. and running funds are like three, bro. Yeah. Really? Like and- I, I value one year of my life more than half of that 3.1 because I know within the next three, four years, one year of my life is going to be way more worth than four or four million. Like I'm thinking like 50 to be honest, but like I got to get to that point. Yeah. And I did it. I did an internship last year with Joe Cooper. Oklahoma, you're probably familiar with them. Uh, He owns, I think it was, he's at nine or 10 different uh, car dealerships now, all different brands, all different kinds. And it's not a monopoly, but it, it's kind of similar to it in the way he has it set up to where when a car, used car gets brought in, they do the check right there. They paint it right there. They take their pictures, their marketing right there, all in the same space. And then they put it on the, on whatever lot it's supposed to go on right away. And it's so impressive. He told me that how he got ahead of his buddies because he played he was gonna go to the MLB. He played at Texas. He played baseball at Texas. He's a big OU guy. He doesn't even like Texas at all, but he played there. And he told me that right out of high school he got into his dad's car business because all all his or right after college he came back and went straight to his dad's car business because he could go to MLB, he could chase that dream, go single A, double A, triple A, work all the way up, trying to go to MLB. Or he could start working on, on the business side right away and start making money, use his time. So then he went and started making money, used his time wisely. All his buddies in the MLB, when they were looking for a job, he now owned Joe Cooper and Jackie Cooper Automotive Group. And now he's giving them jobs. All his buddies that were in the league that had the money, the quick money and had it that way because he went to the business side and he used his time that way. Because no matter whether you want to admit it or not, like even opening your own hedge fund, you're starting at the bottom. You have to you're starting with nothing and you have to work your way up. There's seniority in everything. There's a hierarchy in everything. And Working your way up, even if you open your own business, now you're a small business. You're not a large business and you're not franchised and you're not doing all those things that all these other businesses that have been here for hundreds of years are doing. Yeah. And you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. You're trying to work up so that you can get that big $50 million a year money that you want because yeah. – that starting in the NFL, a lot of times people are scared to get that loan out, pull that loan out because then they're betting on themselves. And a lot of athletes will do it because they're used to betting on themselves anyways. But using that time and betting on your time for yourself can get you way more money. And that was my same perspective when I walked away. Okay, this first couple of years, I'm going to be looking to see what I want to do, but do it on somebody's dime. Like, Right now, I'm doing all OU's dime. I'm working on OU's dime. Do I want to be a player development forever? I don't even think the coaches would want me to do that. If I stick around at OU, they've been recruiting me to coach every single day. Like every day I talk to a coach, they're like, you need to start doing some analyst work. They don't want me to just do player development. But I don't want me to just do that. And my time right now, I'm getting paid. 
and I can tell it because it's, it's public knowledge. It's a state school. So I get paid 80 K to sit there, do player development, get guys internships as I'm networking. Cause this is my job is networking. So I go get internships. I go meet other people and, and get them for these guys. And then whenever I'm done, like I, I have a book of a booklet of solely business cards. I got every industry. What do you need? Because I have to get every industry for my players. And I'm doing this. I'm using my time this way, getting paid to help myself. And yep. that's just what you're doing when you bet on yourself. When you go, I'm going to private equity now. Like yep. y'all can have your money for a couple of years, but when I'm not 30 and I'm a millionaire and you're like looking for a job at that point. Like, dang, I had it all, but what am I doing? Cause the statistics are high. Guys go bankrupt. Guys aren't going to be in the league that long. You feel you, you're going to look back and say, I, I, it was worth it. And I did the right thing. Bro. Wrapping this up, man. Cause I feel like we could just take know, this just, and keep the, on going, bro. The man. biggest thing that I, the biggest takeaway that I just got from there, bro, is using your valuable time to invest in people. Yeah. yeah. Invest in people, invest in happiness and the success will come, bro. I'm I'm so excited for the future of this podcast, Caleb. Future of our lives. Yeah, <laughs> bro. I just I want I want not only our, our previous fans but just any 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 young man looking for some type of financial guidance. Now, granted, we're we're not registered advisors or anything like that, but like we got we got we got the knowledge, bro. We about to have yeah, sixteen so degrees. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> all these years, of, you know, like amongst the three of us, all captains. Like, bro, only good things can come from good people mm. and good conversation. Mm. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, y'all. Well, um, listeners, we are still figuring out our intros and uh, outros, but we appreciate y'all for tuning in to the first episode, People Over Paper. Caleb, Pat, y'all got anything for the people? This is People Over Paper by Jeremiah Hall, <laughs> Hadfields, and Caleb Kelly. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs>